are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me, as always, Kevin Derso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Better than last week. Unfor- you know, unfortunately, we took a pause unscheduled. Yep, you know, we, we, we did end up taking a, uh, a week off last week. As mentioned here, Kevin wasn't feeling too good, but we're back. We're ready to go. We're close enough to 100% to get a show out. So, uh. yeah, I mean, I... I it, like in in all things, I took the show off. I took a, I didn't go to Thursday's home game because it was just still lingering too much. And then you know I was back at it on Saturday afternoon. So well, we're glad you're feeling by that, better. And... By that logic, if I was back at it on Saturday afternoon to cover the game, I should be back here on Sunday night too. Absolutely. So I think I'm in good shape. And absolutely. And the, and the voice sounds a lot better than it did a week ago. So that helps. <laughs> All right, and the good news is we actually have some solid hockey to talk about. The uh, the Flyers have started the season above 500. We sit here through eight games. Flyers are sitting at 4-3-1. and one. Uh, We're going to break this down in just a second. Before we do, hit the social media, at YWT Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Kevin's at Kevin underscore Derso. All right. Um, four, three, and one. Um, and, and, and so generalizing we don't, this, by the way. Like, yeah, we, we're not going to go all the way back here. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying through October, they have one more yeah. game in October. Technically, they'll play Monday night against Carolina to wrap up the October schedule. But this is close enough to the entire month that we kind of have a month worth of stuff to talk about, which is good. Yeah, we took we took two weeks off and we come back with eight games to talk about basically so um yeah yeah already, pretty we, we got the first two in on the last show so we can kind of yeah but i'm sure we'll talk about it as a whole so <laughs> there's there similarities to a couple of them sure right that'll bring them back uh, but as we get going here, uh, the first game of the series, well, and by the series i mean since our last show yes. uh, is the loss to ottawa uh, oh no oh, i'm sorry no no, no i'm sorry home opener you're right you're home right opener was where we home opener about. vancouver what a performance out of Carter Hart, eh? Sure. Um, that was a big part of it. Uh, b- believe it or not, like it wasn't the same kind of, um, and I'm going back to check everything, because it, it was a 26-save shutout, which is obviously, it, look, that's good. They outshot Not going to turn Vancouver. it down. Well, no, they outshot Vancouver 42-26, to 26, though, so this was yeah. kind of along the lines of the Columbus game, that kind of overall dominant effort in terms of, they just did a lot of things really well in this game, and it was, enter- you know, it was a good, obviously entertaining. Before we even get to the actual game itself, because we okay. kind of led into this a little bit, because talk about a madhouse that the sports complex was that night. Apparently, apparently, these are look kind of semi unconfirmed numbers, but like sort of confirmed at the same time. Obviously, something along the lines of one hundred and twenty five thousand people in the sports po- complex at one time, which was that's a lot of people. That's uh, yeah. And that's... This, this is what happens when you have three events going on at roughly one time. Um, for one. And then something about how this was the first time ever that every parking spot in the sports complex was taken. Huh. Now I did not hear that one. That's fun. So that was supposedly the other side of this, which, you know, so there were some I lucked out. I will tell you this right now in the sense that, first of all, in the sense that, A, the Flyers game started two hours before anything else did. Which was done on purpose. Right. They did move it up. And so... Getting down there wasn't fun. It took me an hour and a half to make a drive that should take 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. That's so it wasn't fun. But getting in there was not the worst thing in the world. Once I got where I was going, I'm in. I go inside. I cut, Look, did I cut it close? Sure, I did. I, for the home opener, I don't wouldn't like to be probably this close to puck drop, but I was there about 45 minutes before. Or, or I guess to make it, I guess to go a little bit more technical with it, 
15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes before warmups. And it's like, right. You're really close to when everything picks up. And before you like when warmups hit, you, you don't have a whole lot of time to settle down. Right. Well, warmups hit, you blink. And next thing you know, it's, Oh, by the way, we're about to start the game. Right. You know, collectively, like the warmups are over. They've cleaned, you know, sweep the ice. Everything's ready to go. Here comes the light show. And then we're on to the game. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's the home opener. So, you know, there's bigger things than that. It's a, it's festivities are going to introduce the sure. whole team. You, 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 you name it, you know? And so the game progresses and everything about the game is going swimmingly at that. Like as it goes through, they got through two periods. The third period was about to start at eight o'clock, pretty much right on the dot. So you're looking at the fact that we're two thirds of the way through this game and nothing else has started yet in the complex. Nothing. Things so, are looking good. Things are looking good. Post game, by the way, there's nothing better than a two nothing win where you go, hey, let's talk about this. Igor Zamula scored his first NHL goal. Sean Couturier scored his first goal since his return, and Carter yep. Hart had a 26 save shutout. Who did we talk to after the game? Zamula, Couturier, Carter Hart. Done. done. Over to Torts and done. Let's and, go watch the Phillies. Well, and here's the thing. Now I've heard I've heard a lot of horror stories after the fact that once people that people trying to leave the flyers game when like fan wise when they were trying to leave there were still people coming in for the other two so so it was like a one yeah. one lane in one lane out kind of situation for a while there was horror stories about people who were still stuck trying to get in and out an hour and a half beyond that potentially i don't know how it worked out for me i got out of the lot that i was in which now granted yes little privilege moment here i'm in a media lot which is like a little bit less packed than every like i don't think they're counting that lot towards the every space was filled kind of thing it's a reserved lot i get it but i go out the i go out the gate and go basically hang a left and down the street and i'm out i'm at i'm already exiting the one gate hang another left i shoot straight down i was on 95 in five minutes somehow i left when the phillies game was in the Bottom, of, I think it was between. The, I was walking out of the building between the fifth and the top of the fifth and the bottom of the fifth inning, right in the middle of the fifth inning. Okay. I arrived home, and again, I'm I'm like even with no traffic coming home, it's forty minutes probably. Bottom of the seventh. Top of the seventh. Top of the seventh. Okay. Because the bottom of the sixth ran long. It was a four run inning, and it ran long, and it was. And believe me, once this once this particular <laughs> Phillies game was over, that was pretty much the highlight of the series. At that point, we don't need to lament. On <laughs> We're that. not talking about that. I know, but. I was just like, man, did I get lucky in the sense that it took me five minutes to get on 95 and get out of there and be, and I was on my way home and I was able to be home by 10, you know, for right. 10 30 or something like that. And it was like, not bad. I I'll take that every single time. And, and, but, but like in all seriousness, and, and it, it was an interesting game too, because like for all the shots that I just mentioned at the flyers had 42 total, they scored just under two minutes into the game and then scored with just under three minutes left to play in the period. So it's like, you know, and then that was it. There was no more scoring for the rest of the game. Like, actually, believe it or not, like, you're talking about Carter Hart's performance. Thatcher Demko in that game was stealing it for... Uh, oh, yeah, man. I mean, he they had probably, was playing. They had probably five or six goals, realistically, and they only scored two it, because it, Demko was so good. It should have been six or seven, nothing easy. Yeah, and And look, let's credit on the two goals that they did score because, first of all, Zamula made a really nice play. Back, back into the lineup, by the way, because we had talked about the in and out the first time around. Back into the lineup and used some patience, kind of worked it around a, a, a defender who slid through his shot lane. So he pulled it back and then let it go through a screen. Scores. Great celebration. He's He was really excited about that one, obviously. I mean, of course it is. It's always cool. You know, it's not the a first guy getting his first goal. Yeah. And it's not the first. Oh, look, it's not the first occurrence. We're going to talk about something like this happening. 
in this show. We'll have another one of these to get to in a little while. But a yeah. first NHL goal is always cool. You know, yeah. so it was it was a cool moment, you know. Yeah, it was it was definitely awesome to see and you know, you get your classic scene, the guys mob him, somebody grabs the puck, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Guy's first yeah. goal is always fun. Yep. And the other goal, not really first, but first back, it was yeah. nice seeing Sean Couturier pot one. It's a big deal. You know, yeah. it's a big deal when he when he's and, and and the goal itself, by the way. Because it was Oof. Oof. He, um, <laughs> John Couturier pulled out the uh, the old Marty Saint Louis move. Yep, and started moving backwards a little bit on Demko, and then pulled it back and scored. And nasty. And it was yeah, nasty. It was very impressive. And he, you know, certainly, you know, certainly long time coming. He's for him. back. Well, and he turned around. He, he he actually kind of alluded to this after the after that particular game was over because he talked about to an extent. Nearly two years having since played a game, period, he goes, how, kind of like in a way of saying, how lucky am I? First assist is a 2-1-0 breakaway. The first goal is a penalty shot. Like, like, what's the luck that I have to be put in a situation where it's not, you know, it was like, we're going to get to another goal that Couturier scored this season later in the show when we get to the next handful of games that are coming up and stuff like that. Much more kind of the goal you expect to see Sean Couturier score than worrying about like, hey, on a penalty shot. You know what I mean? Like, right, so, absolutely. Like, like, I think he's he's just thinking like, what did I do to put myself in that situation where it was? It's it's those two situations: a two on zero for the assist and a penalty shot, which is you know essentially you know the breakaway with nobody else out there. Very you know very premeditated. They've also, by the way, everybody said he's worked on that move in practice. So of course. Because Carter Hart said he's seen it a few times. So. See, see, but I would think, though, if you haven't scored in 22 months, <laughs> having the whistle and the call and the break and 10 to 15 seconds to think about it for a lot for a lot of players, you haven't, you know, you've it's your third game back. Right. It's you haven't scored in almost two years for a lot of guys that gets in your head. And it was nice. It was nice seeing him not only take a good shot, obviously, but being confident enough to pull off a move like that. Because sure. I mean, you don't just come in and start skating backwards <laughs> yeah. unless you are extremely comfortable with where you're at. So it is. It is nice seeing Sean Couturier. I'm willing to say that he is pretty much back to where he should be, where he was. However, you want to phrase that. I mean, there's still things. Look, to me, there's still things to work on. I'm watching it from a way more probably technical standpoint than Fair. you are. Fair. And, and not to try to jump too many spots here, but basically going to the very last, most recent game we can go off of. Yeah. He he took now. He, it, ultimately, he ended up. It was a puck off the side of his head, kind of, and that's what was creating the pain and kind of whatever it was. But a lot like when it happened a lot of things looked awkward his legs kind of buckled in a weird way he was dangling his shoulder going off the ice and everybody like immediately you're thinking oh great watch that you know whatever so certainly i think there's still going to be a like there should be at least Fair. I'm, I'm not going to i'm not saying it from a coaching staff stand, standpoint per se because they're they're already all this is already not the case with them but you right. kind of should have like have a little bit of a white gloves approach with him just a little bit like in terms of and I, I guess I say that more in terms of expectations than I do usage. They, you know, if you want to jump from this game to the very next home game they played against Edmonton, where quite literally Tortorella said after the game, he wanted every shift against McDavid. 
and they kept McDavid in check except for one time when he wasn't on the ice because they were trying to get their lines back in order following right. a penalty kill. Right. And that's the one time that the McDavid line got to them in any way. Like, but think about that. He's four games back going against the guy who's fastest in the league, most skilled in the league, puts up the most points in the league. Uh, the guy, right? right. Like... The guy. And stayed with him the whole game, wanted it the whole game like that. And and for the most part, kept up with it, pretty much entirely kept up with him. Yes. Well, and then imagine what, what else do you want? Him. Imagine what happens to everybody else behind him as a result of that. The way that Noah Cates is able to defend because it's not you're on McDavid and you're from one game to the next. Like, go from one game to the next in this particular situation. You're not going from, hey, tonight you're on Elias Patterson. In the next <laughs> game, you're on Connor McDavid. The next game, you're on, you know, the the Robertson Hints line. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like, you're not going from one to the next to the next elite, elite, elite. You're going to, you know, a, a little bit of a tier below, which is a good yeah. thing, which can be a good thing anyway, for like an for a guy Wait. like Noah Cates. Anyway, are are you saying that not every team has a line like Connor McDavid, Leon Drysidel? Well, no, I'm saying no. Actually, I'm saying I'm doing the opposite. I'm saying that the, they've kind of played a lot of teams in a row That's that fair. do possess. That's fair. A really solid top line, or at least top line center, that you're trying to compete against. And I think there's a difference between the way that they, th- you know, the way that, and they had no choice, but the way that they threw Noah Cates into the fire last year. Yeah, Noah Cates him behind somebody like Couturier. Noah Cates might mess around and get himself in the selkie conversation within the next five years or so. He already did a little uh, bit. Yeah. And and obviously Sean Couturier is going to get a lot of the the selkie buzz on this team just because he has won it before and he is, sure. you know, that defensive center and et cetera, et cetera. But the attention that Sean Couturier draws will also get Noah Cates some attention as well in that category. And people will recognize how excellent defensively he is as well. Yeah, I I think so for sure. And well, actually the bigger deal with Noah Cates is how much more does the offensive upside start to show up? It was, he was already generating conversation on the defensive play alone. Right. And had a look, a modest rookie season for offensive production, but, does that there's, remind does that remind that, you of anybody? Well, yeah, I know. I mean, it's exactly the same path. There's there's no they're they're kind of like they're not cut from the same cloth and style at all, but they're they're following a they're similar progression that yeah. is similar. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and and, and look, it, it's going to lead to, that that's a good look. It's a good kind of I don't want to jump too much from some of the results to, that got us to this point in the month of October. Sure. But one of our later talking points in the show has a lot to do with another member of that center group that isn't getting an opportunity right now and kind of the differences between, you know, like kind of the why of this. And it's well, and to, well, be fair, to be fair, I'm, there's probably not really a good reason completely because it's kind of going against a lot of. Well, we can touch on it here because a lot of this conversation did start sparking up after three or four games. Uh, and that is, you know, what you're alluding to is the fact that Morgan Frost. Um, yeah. Yeah. Catch us up on the Morgan Frost situation. So basically, the game that we are actually referring to, the home opener we're talking about, Morgan Frost was not was he- was held out of the lineup. He's a hel- he was a healthy scratch for this game, and there was a lot of discussion about that topic. And you know, I guess I guess there wasn't. I don't want to say there was a lot of it after in 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 light of that game in particular because. The team played bad in Ottawa. Let's be real about that. They stuff. did. They played bad in Ottawa. It was a bad game team-wide, whatever. And 
you had two young players that have made that have made the roster out of camp, Tyson Forrester and Bobby Brink, and they had split the two games to start with. Right. And so a Brink needed to get back in the lineup, but I'm like truthfully, I think that what Tortorella looked at from that game in general was Forrester should be able to play also. And, sure. And, and and the conversation that came into this kind of decision was who comes out then? Well, not just who comes out, but with Morgan Frost, because because the natural thing to do, if you wanted to follow the to the book, you know, by the book of what was said in training camp, which was about being able to play the kids and it being a land of opportunity and all that type of stuff. Then the answer was. Nick Deloria, you're out of the lineup. Garnet Hathaway, you're out of the lineup. One Fair of those enough. guys, right? Yep. Somebody who doesn't factor into the long-term future of this whole operation that you're going right. through, this process. Right. But, and there's a level of this where I agree, by the way, that's your fourth line. They have a role. They also have a certain set amount of minutes that they typically get. You don't want to necessarily have Morgan Frost play just so he gets the eight minutes that they do and plays in a role that's not suited for him at all. That doesn't show off the playmaking or allows him to try to be creative and make plays and maybe score or whatever. Right. You want him to be in a creative role. You want him to be in preferably a top six role at worst, you know, third line. But even then, are you telling him to go out and be a checker? That's not what you want to do either. No. But at the same time, I don't think that that's like there's an element where I sit there and I go at some point in time, you draw the line on that. If you're John Tortorella to an extent or not that you do like if you're him, but like to me, that's where you have to draw a line. because it, John Tortorella's thinking is too much of the old school in that spot where right. how many third lines are checking lines anymore? It's not made that way anymore. Your fourth line is pretty much the grinder line. And it's strictly only because of the fact that you have out of the whole game itself you typically have seven eight minutes of time to work with and right. that i understand not wanting to you know like not wanting to put frost in that situation but what's the difference between frost and scott lawton right what's the difference like let them play the role because on your third line you're still out there trying to create let's remember for a second too that currently that third line if you will is lawton centering travis Konechny and tyson forrester What's the difference? It's pretty you good line. Are, you got two guys who are supposed to be able to score goals, though. And and Lawton's the leadership two-way guy, and that's fine. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. There's a room but, in the, every spot for that. Yeah. But but every roster out there, you think every roster out there is going, oh, our third line's a checking line, so we don't want to put a guy who scores in the third line. No, they, it's about depth anymore, and you've got to get right. over the fact that you think it's a checking role and that that's what they got to do to be the most effective and things like that. Like, right. I, well, and think about me in that respect. Well, and think about the guys you mentioned in terms of guys who should be coming out if we're looking based on merit. You mentioned Hathaway and Delorier, guys who right. I, I, Hathaway can you know contribute offensively, etc. But he's typically there to provide a little bit of edge. Uh, right. And same same with Delorier, obviously, with quite frankly less scoring talent than Hathaway. Um, but those guys are not on. There's not room for that in an NHL lineup anymore, right? In in 1997, there were six spots or five or six spots that those guys would take. And as the years have gone on, that those numbers have gotten smaller and smaller. And now there's room for between zero and two of those guys. And for most teams, it's one at the most. I partially disagree with what you're saying because – it's not that there's not room for guys like that. It's that it's less about like Deloria's had a couple fights in the last handful of games. 
and I get that that fires everybody up and that's great and things like that. If you want to talk about Delorier or Hathaway or Nick Sealer's done this too, so I'll lump him in, even though he's not a forward. I'm just sure, sure. Well, sometimes he's a forward. But who, that's true. Um, <laughs> people who have seen a guy take a hit and then go, I'll be the guy, and they come in and they serve as bodyguard. That's fair. Yes, there's a role for that still, but, because you do want to protect your star players. If somebody sees Tyson Forrester go down and comes over and goes, I'll take care of this, then yes, you're, you're appreciative of that. That's it, fair. And, it, and it's happened a couple of times, and that's what their role is. What I think people have a problem with, and this is exactly what I said, is, and, and this is kind of the way that I feel, like, kind of the way I feel is, well, and for, for what it's worth, by the way, to this point, Frost hasn't played a game since. Right. The second game right. of the season. It's where there's eight. He has games been healthy scratched in six games in a row. And the well, and, and the problem is, is this only fuels the argument even further. But you take that line that we are talking about and you go, OK, listen, yes, they're, are they are they willing to be are they able to be protectors? And do they have a specific role? Sure, they do. I get that. The line has contributed nothing offensively. They are no, all and, zero and points. No, if you want to get is, if you want to get Morgan Frost in the lineup, that's a pretty easy spot to do it. Even just to get him some but, ice time, some. But they love their preseason and they love the chemistry of the of the trio that's out there and things like that. And, well, and the and, problem and, and the big to me the big problem was and it, look this changed a little bit defensively because one of these types of players is out of the lineup now also. So we'll, which we should mention as well. But well, what I want to get at is take Morgan Frost's name out of this discussion. Okay. Don't call. Don't don't address it as Morgan Frost is being held out of the lineup. Let's address it like it is the other way. In the first four games of the season that you played, just the first four, when this was kind of becoming a thing, right? You you've scratched two kids in alternating games. You know, which is fair enough. Well, well, fair, but you're you've scratched two kids who are 22 years old. Yeah. alternating games to get each other into the lineup. You've scratched your 23-year-old defenseman. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you had a 21-year-old defenseman and a 23-year-old defenseman that were doing the same thing, and you alternated the two of them as well. And now you are scratching your 24, a 24-year-old center. Right. Who was a first-round pick? Who was a first-round pick? All while, by the way, at that time, the five or six players, I believe it's six, that are age 30 and over have played every single game to that point. And you're well, going, what happened to play the kids? What happened to land of opportunity? This isn't land of opportunity. Why is Nick's like, why is it the decision making process being like, and this, you know where this was really a big argument too, or where I think this was a big argument was from the Vancouver game to the Edmonton game. We just talked about Igor Zamula had a nice game against Vancouver. The whole team pitches a shutout defensively, by the way, and he scores his first NHL goal and he's scratched against the Edmonton Oilers because you want to get Emil Andre into the game. Well, what about Nick Sealer? What about Mark Stahl? Why did they have to dress in each of the first four games? Well, and and you, you guys playing well. And I'll say this for John Tortorella. Let me do, I'm going to defend John Tortorella for half a second and then I'll sure. criticize him in the second half. Don't worry. Um, John Tortorella is a competitive person. Sure. And a competitive coach. And after four games, you're three and one. After five, or after five games, you're four and one. I understand wanting to keep things together while it's working, right? Especially in this early season, John Tortorella knows how important it is to get off to a good start. And when you start four and one, no matter what your your lineup looks like, I want my coach. The person who's in my locker room talking to my team every day, mm-hmm. when you're four and one, I want him thinking Stanley Cup. 
I, I know the roster isn't built for that. I know the roster is built to be bad and then be further dismantled and be worse. Like, I know that. But when you're four and one, I want my coach thinking Stanley Cup. Now, since then, you've lost three of four and you lose all that ground with me and make a change, John. But well, after the last one, I think they will, by the way. I, and I hope so. But through five games, I'm willing to defend Torts on pretty much all of his lineup decisions because that's – we've talked about it a lot on this show. The From Danny Briere up, the idea is be as bad as possible. But from John Tortorella down, it has to be about winning. To, to some extent. You know what I mean. Yes, I hear what you're saying. So this is where I have a problem with this. And it's because of the fact that then then honestly, then just say that from day one. Like, honestly, if you're the coach and that's the way you think and it's we're going to be competitive and we're going to try to win as many games. So as you don't think he should have said, you know, we're going to play the kids. Is that he, what you're kind of getting at? He said it was a land of opportunity and okay. that you're thinking big picture with everybody's development. And then basically like. And then me, bench the, Morgan Frost for two weeks. Well, it has nothing. Again, it's it, to me, it's not like right. Frost out of it. Because uh, fair. I feel that I feel that way about Zamula. Like uh, Zamula fair. Played, like what message are you sending to a 23 year old defenseman who just scored his first NHL goal? And then the next game sits because yeah. Andre didn't get to play the game before. That's fair. What, you know, it literally took again. He comes out day one, first day of camp. Mark, I know what kind of game Mark Stahl is going to bring, but I've told him we're not going to be able to play him every single game because it's about developing the kids. Well, how are you developing the kids if you play him every single game? And I was say, he's played all eight, hasn't he? No, he got hurt. Or, I'm sorry. Right, right, right. So, but, so, so, yeah. Hey, guess what? After the fourth one, now you had to play somebody else instead of Mark Stahl. But I want to see you bench that guy. And they even have a freaking clip of him in this. You know, they've done this video series on YouTube. They even have a freaking clip in a preseason game looking over at one of his assistants, probably Brad Shaw, who does the defenseman, and saying, I don't know how I'm supposed to sit him. So you already know what you're getting with him. He, it's that category of being one of Torts' guys, right? And it becomes very clicky, and it becomes one of these things where next thing you know, you've got a player like Morgan Frost, and I'm not saying that Frost is going to be the greatest thing, and I'm not saying he's earned anything yet. Well, he hasn't earned it with the inconsistencies of his playing, you know, of his playing career to this point. But you're essentially you're running the risk of running him out of town because at what right. point in time does somebody like that sit there and go, I can't play for this. I can't well, play for this guy. He doesn't like me, and he won't put me in the lineup. And, and I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. And I really do think there's a chance that Morgan Frost ends up getting traded. Um, but at a certain point, when it comes to Stahl, for instance, right? Uh, at a certain point, it's up to Danny Briere to take his toys away from him. Well, and he, well, here's another okay, and here's another way I'll take it too. Okay, because they sent down Emil Andre not too long ago, and I agree with that decision. By Fair the enough. Because of the yep. fact that did it look overwhelming to him? Yes, a I little bit. He, yeah, he didn't play near it. Like he didn't play as many great games as he did poor ones. You, you saw some flashes. He looked good at times, but yeah, he definitely needs right. a little bit, a little exactly. bit of a break here. Exactly. That's fine. So yep. he explains how. Because, you know, they can send him down. He can get top pair minutes in the minors, all that type of stuff. Yes. I, we, right. we Run the first play. power play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the next right. breath, because it's brought up, now that you're down to with stall out and we're going to get to Rasmus Ristolainen in a yep. second who hasn't played yet too, with those two guys out, you have room for basically you have six healthy defensemen. Yep. So well, so, well, so Ryan Ellis will come back any day now. Well, no, so the point, I hear you. But so the point is, does that mean Zamul is basically an everyday player now that he's going to play, right, and whatever? And Tortorella said he's in the same boat as Andre, you know, that 
if what they'll do what's best for his development or whatever. And and at the, it's at this point in time that I sit there and I go, you can't. Because and Danny Briere better get it through like get it into John Tortorella's mind that you can't do this because you know how you get Igor Zamula to the minors? Waivers. Yeah. So you run the risk of losing him for nothing. So if you like him as a part of your future, you have to learn to let him develop on the fly now. You're past that point. He's not a Mil Andre who has options to right. go back to the he's, minors. He's pretty stuck on your roster. You, you better get him some ice time. Him. Right. Yep. So you have to play him. So don't hit me with the line. Well, he's in the same boat. No, he's not in the same boat. And Morgan Frost is not either. It's not like because he's sitting, you can go, Morgan Frost, I want to get you to the minors. Somebody will claim him. And if you want him to be part of this team, then you have to figure it out. Like, in all seriousness, I haven't seen enough of Tyson Forrester this year to not warrant necessarily sending him down right now. Brink is out playing Forrester. So if that were oh, the case... Oh, he absolutely no, is. No, so if that were the case, what's the easy thing to do to improve the development of all three players involved in that trial? Send him down. Send Forrester down. Brink gets to keep playing up there until something changes, and he may need the time down in the minors or whatever the case may be, or until an injury allows you to have Forrester back up. But Frost can't go anywhere. He has to be at this level. So you can either find a way to get him into the lineup or keep benching him, and eventually he's going to get traded and you lose a player who's in his mid-20s because you're stubborn about keeping the fourth line together or not putting him in a checking role or whatever the hell you want to do with it. And that's the problem I have. Is not, it's not like, again, I'm not here to make it a defensive play Morgan Frost because I think Morgan Frost is the answer to some of their problems. It's just... How do you go about trying to develop everyone the best way? And right now you're holding one guy overly accountable by not playing him, despite the fact that other guys could all fall into a similar category. Think about something for a second. Go look at, and this is a big thing about the, like, because we're talking about, oh, look at their start. Look at the way, you know, the record and all that stuff like that. Who's scoring the goals? Who's producing the offense right now? Uh, You know, and go look at the names and recognize that it's kind of exactly the same thing as last year. Yep, it's because, it's your it's your established players, right? And and my well, I'm even more to my point on it is, go look at like it doesn't even have to be goal totals. Like right now, goal totals it's pretty easy, right? Like Travis Konechny's got eight freaking goals so far this year. He's Already. playing. He's right. he's playing well. I will give Travis Konechny a he's lot got, of credit. He's got eight goals. Now he's a unique kind of person in this because Travis Konechny's right on that edge, right? He's right on that line between. Do you stay for the whole thing and you come out on the other side and you're a star on this team? Or, or do you cash him out now you, while you, you get the most value out of him? Yes, correct. I know. Like, what's the bigger cash out? But how about this? How about Cam Atkinson with five goals on the season already? Is Cam Atkinson part of your long-term no. future? Nope. No. So he's the reason why you're having success. It's not like it's somebody who's your future doing it. You know, it's nice to see that, you know, Joel Farabee with four goals. That's a nice thing because Joel Farabee is definitely on the other side of the yep. rebuild pro- process. He's part of the growth potential here. Yeah, look at, looking at your points leaders, Travis Sandheim, he's locked up long term. Sean Couturier, right. he's locked up long term. These are these are parts of your future. Well, right. And Couturier is different because of the contract. And Sandheim is definitely Sandheim also kind of falls into that category age wise yep. where it's a little different. But the contract's really a challenge to move and if and listen if Sandheim can embrace everything now the problem with Sandheim is he still makes a bunch of really awful mistakes and turnovers from yeah. his own end but if he can be a production level guy and like I'd have to go, I I don't have it off the top of my head I'd have to really go back and look but I want to know when he got to eight points last season because it was a while it was a <laughs> long time he, he, <laughs> what does he have one he was atrocious to start has, last season he has what one one goal and and seven assists to get the eight uh, points this year, I believe, is what it is. 
me see. He has, so he has one goal. I just want to go and look last year at his game log. Okay. And I'm just I just want to. He look. has one goal. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to look because first of all, by the way, let's just even do this without even having to look at his game log. Last season, how many goals and how many points did he have? In I'll, I'll let you know he played 81 games last year. How many goals and how many points did he have last year? To compare no. to the fact that he's got one and eight already this year. Nine goals, 25 points. So you nailed the assist number, take two goals away, and you're right. So okay, seven, listen. Seven, seven goals, 23 points. For pulling that out of absolutely nowhere, I feel pretty okay about think, that. But Now think about this. They've played eight games. He's already a third of the way to his point total from a year ago. Okay, so I'm and looking. Whether that is, and whether that is increased ice time, increased roll, increased whatever, it, like it's still really impressive. Now I'm I really I am looking at I'm looking at his game log from last year. Okay, I have it up here. Okay. I just I just pulled it myself, so I do know. Okay, so he got his first point in game number ten. See. His second point in game number twelve. It took a long time. It took him 18 games to score a goal. By that point, he had two, a two-point game that, that game, which, wa- which was um, um, that was his fourth point. Fifth came in game 20, sixth in game 21. His eighth point was November 29th. No, I'm sorry. I, his eighth point was November His eighth point was November 29th against the New York Islanders. So he has gotten that. Is that right? Um, like, a month early. No, hold on. That's that's Did not. Did I right. count that wrong? Yeah, the eighth one was. Um, it's the next one. It was. It was against Tampa on December first. Okay, December first. So it was the more than a month. Right. More than a month early. Not even more than a month early. Let's go off of this one. It was the twenty fourth game of the season. That means the season was a quarter of the way through. More than a quarter of the way through by yep. that point. And yep. that's what it took for him to get eight points last year. He's at eight points in eight this year. In, yep, he got those points. Three times faster. Right. That's you, insane. Well, and beyond that, by the way, let's go off of all this while we're at Travis Konechny is at 11 points through eight games. Cam Atkinson's point per game right now. Sean Couturier is at seven in eight. Joel Farabee and Bobby Brink are at six in eight. And Brink didn't even play every game. He missed one. Right. So Brink's got six in seven. Yeah. Bobby Brink can listen. Listen. Can we talk about Bobby or Brink here for a minute? Uh, well, first of all, we need to anyway because we need oh. congratulations to him as well for a first NHL goal. Long and then coming. second. Right. Long time coming because he looked like he was going to have his first about four other times already this season. I'm I'm a little bit surprised he didn't rip the monkey off the back celebration. Like, it it, it was getting there for him. He kind of looked – it was cool, though. He kind of looked, looked relieved. Crowd, he looked at the crowd, though, and kind of gave a, like, come on, let me hear you kind of thing. Like, it, it, was, it was – I mean, it was good. It was the, – the emotion was very fitting for a first NHL goal. And then he had the second one. And, 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 and you can see – let's just wait. That, by the way, that's something special going on right there with what he's got going with Joel Farabee and Noah Cates on a line right now. That's something special going on. That is a line that everybody should be excited about every um, time they touch the ice. I'm going to throw a bold one out there. Sure. Bobby Brink might be my next jersey. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, the number change helps a little bit because now that he's picked yeah. a number. Like, yeah. he's picked a number. I wish I had an old Braden Chen jersey to repurpose. That's fair. <laughs> well, no, but you need a new one somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the burn orange. Absolutely. 
But mean, you see it. It's nice. You know, it nice it does stuff. look nice. Although Saturday they were the alternates, and it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of a disappointment after uh, <laughs> all the other times we watched the other ones. Um, Fair enough. But but yeah, I mean, like, and 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 like, Cates is finally coming along with some points and things like like he's at four, which again, four through eight games is not bad. No, not at all. Clear, but. He had a few games where the points were not coming, and it was like, eh, this is not great. You know what I mean? Like, he's not producing offensively. He's probably, you know, he's still playing well defensively, but, you know, Owen Tippett was like that for a few games. Now he's up to five points in the last handful of games because he didn't yep. have anything for a little while, and, you know, that's that's kind of all I'm trying to get it, at. It is interesting. We saw kind of in the first half of the season kind of got the first half. It's only been eight games. You know what I mean? The first, the first, the first several games, you kind of saw your top – pairing produce and as we get into the back half you see start seeing the depth produce but we haven't seen the results it's been like i said right. they've lost three out of their last four um it, it's been interesting it's a good thing right seeing the the depth guys kind of get going a little bit but sure. uh it has for some reason come at the expense of the product on the ice so i don't know it's, and it's going to a little bit yeah like, like here's the thing so they play the game they did against Vancouver. Let's go. We can go back to the October stuff now because we can go back to talking about some of these results. They play the games that like they play the game against Vancouver. The game against Edmonton, by the way, same deal. They have a really strong game. Joel Faraby got it going in the first period, and then kind of just when you thought it was going to be kind of that competitive game, because Cam Atkins Cam Atkinson scored early in the second. It made it two nothing, and then. Most of the second period is gone, and, and right after a power play, here comes Zach Hyman scoring a goal. McDavid was out there to set it up. It was, you know, you're going, okay, they're going to come around time, now. Time to start playing a game. Yep. Right, and, 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 and they took a penalty not long after it, by the way. So it's like, uh-oh, here comes the power play, too. Yep. And then Sean, Sean Walker, Walker snipes. A short-handed goal. An absolute snipe. Yes, and you don't see that out of a defenseman very often. Well, this also started a little bit of a trend for a couple of games because after this game was over, and by the way, Cam Atkinson scored another goal at the end or in the third period to put that game away. Great, great defensive game for them, by the way, to keep. McDavid didn't have a shot in the game, by the way. I don't know if that was like that was high. No, the Oilers have been awful. The well, Oilers have I, been ironically, awful. Ironically, as we're sitting here recording this, they're actively playing in the Heritage Classic right now, and they are leading the game. as we yeah, Against another team who's been awful. The whole division's been awful, which I think is why people were a little Except for the Kings. Them. Well, I think... Well, I hear you. Somebody's got to be good out of the division. But the I, Kings are a but wagon. But somebody said something... I, I saw a tweet the other day or something like that about how the... And, Pacific, and so is Vegas. Hello. Sorry. Well, sure. <laughs> about, about how the Pacific Division also apparently has the 26th, 28th, 30th, and 32nd ranked teams or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And Vegas... And like really bad. Yeah. Well, and then all of a sudden, Vancouver... Where's Vancouver coming from? Sitting at five, two, and one through set through eight games. Well, I, you called that one. You thought they yep. were going to be a playoff. Game. I sure. I, and you know what? I will say I'm going to take a lot of credit because Casey Smith has come in and been fantastic and has taken a I mean, lot Emko's of pressure off of Thatcher Demko. Demko's obviously been good too. We can't ignore that. But. Right, but how much better is he going to be not having to play 55, 60 sure. games? Oh yeah, I agree with that. Well, and then and then just well, then it's just in general. It's right. Petter, Pedersen and Besser got off the great start. Quinn Hughes is looking great. Really Brock hard. Besser didn't go the first twenty-two games without a goal or whatever he did last season. Like we talked about, some flyers starting the season slow last year. So did yeah. Brock Besser. 
Yeah. Um, Elias Pettersson did too. Like I, that they had a historically bad season last year. Like all those guys had career bad years. They're not going to be bad two years in a row. There's just too much talent there. Sure. But, um, are we on to the uh, beyond the Edmonton game? Are we on to the Dallas game where the shorthanded goal trend continued? Because absolutely, I mean, Travis Konechny had two of them by himself. Um, the, the Flyers have been shorthanded killers this and season. And oh, by the well, yeah. well until Saturday. Wow, fair so enough. We'll we'll get there. But this was the previous Saturday, and then um, so this was what was really impressive. Forget you know, Konechny had one earlier in the game that helped them tie the game up before the first period was over. Then they're down two goals in the third period, and they take a penalty right after Jamie Ben makes it four to two Dallas. And it's like, okay, that's probably the end of the game. That's it. You know, they're going to lose this game because Ben scored with nine twenty four left in the game. Right, two goal game against Dallas, who was in the Western Conference Final last year, and is a wagon. You know, yeah. with nine twenty four to go, are you beating that team? You don't think you are? No. And then when you take and well, then to top it all off, it would be chop- pretty easy to roll over and die. Like, well, the other part of the equation is also when you chop two minutes off of that and go, well, now you're killing a penalty. Mm-hmm. So so what are the alternatives? You're either going to have seven and a half minutes to put something together and get two goals, or you're going to give up another goal and it'll be a 5-2 game. So right. whichever one it is, that's, you know, that, that is what it is. And then Konechny scores another shorthanded goal. And then 47 seconds later, Sean Walker scores another shorthanded goal. And then the game's tied, and it ends up going to overtime. They lose in overtime, of course, because overtime is still kind of a nightmare scenario for them. You know what? Honestly, going to the three-on-three overtime against Dallas, you don't expect to win that. You don't have anybody who can – outside of Sean Couturier and maybe Noah Cates, you don't have anybody who can play with Rope Hintz. You don't have anybody who can play with Jason Robertson. You don't have anybody who can play with Miro Heiskanen, like, hello, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They just out-talent you, and that's fine. Sure. But the I fact know. but the fact that you're willing to storm back and steal a point, like, obviously we're talking eight games into the season about a team that's probably going to end up not being very good, but – that's the kind of thing that I talk about from John Tortorella down. It's got to be about winning. And, that and team belief, stormed yeah, back. And, yes, believe. Yes, because that's what Tortorella talked about after they beat. I guess it was after they beat Minnesota this during this week. Right. Was that the room just has a lot of belief that they can do? They can hang with any team that, that they can play. And absolutely. And, and that that's that's going to be a look. That's definitely a big deal as you go through the through the process and things like that. And then, and really they played like that going through the game against Vegas too, because they had a two, one lead in the first period and they held it all the way until the final half period, (sighs) half of the third period. I I will say that was one of those losses that was, I called it devastating in the chat. It wasn't, you know, whatever, but it's a little, it's, I I can tell you what you called. What did I call it? You said it, you said it, what a choke job. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not really a choke job against a team that just won the Stanley Cup. But it, but it feels like it when you're leading. You wanted to see them. Well, and and, uh, you know what though? Here's the thing. I don't agree with it because I know that there's a lot more steps before they're on that level of that team. Of course. But John Tortorella would have agreed with you probably because John Tortorella's mind was is Cam York tried to make a play he shouldn't make in that spot. Right. Well, and, and that leads to the you know the puck being in the zone and that still being in the zone and that's why you didn't clear it and that's why you know you ended up on your heels again and that that kind of thing. So, well, of course, and no coach is ever going to be happy with a mistake with thirty three seconds left in the game that yeah. cost you a point. Exactly. Or cost you two points. 
Um, like no coach should ever be happy with that, yeah. no matter how bad your team is. Like I don't care if you're the zero and sixteen Detroit Lions. Like if you make right. a mistake and with thirty seconds left to cost your team the points, the game, yeah. no one's gonna be happy about now, that. Now, now, like, like, now, like I, like I was saying for a second, um, or like we said from the top of the show, because we didn't do a show last week because I was under the weather. And right. that, Tuesday was probably my worst day. Okay. Of it all. And now just picture, if you will, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this mention in very quickly because we're going to get off because we said we're not talking about it. After watching the Phillies bow out in the playoffs first, then having the – this is – puck drop was 11-17 Eastern time for this game. Yeah, it was tough. Now, I, know, I know I've talked about my schedule before and the fact that it's an hour behind. It was right. a little tough even for me. Right. Like, now, man. If, if, I, if I wasn't dealing with the cold that I had and how, how bad it was – I probably don't genu- genuinely. I don't care because I'm probably still up at one thirty in the morning. Anyway. Watching the game, yeah. Well, just in general, I've watched West Coast games regardless. And That's it fair. Doesn't bother me that it's one o'clock in the but morning. But this wasn't even a West Coast game. Most of those start at ten o'clock Eastern. This was an hour later than even that. Sure. Like it yeah. was nine yeah. o'clock local time. Poor. Because, well, because they, and they did well. That that was for TV. And and I will admit, spectacular, and it was a cool look. The 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 concept was cool. There were some Frozen Fury was or Frozen Frenzy was great. Uh, The network thing was great. Yeah, the well, the additional channel, the 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 very the very red zone like channel that they had going, and it was their first iteration of it. No, no, no. This is when I say the execution was bad. I don't necessarily mean from the TV angle. Okay. What I do mean is, is that like from the scheduling. I think you can do better than a Tuesday night in early, like in mid October, early season in October. Yeah, give me, yeah, that's fair. Like, you know, when you really should have something like this? Saturday night. Well, not even necessarily has to be Saturday night. You could really. Well, afternoon into the night. Well, but you could position yourself really well to say, listen, we have four games we want to get on television. One, four, seven, ten on a Saturday. One o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock, ten o'clock. That's your schedule for ESPN. Right. And the rest of the games, we're going to find a way to stagger in between those times. So you, what, what was that? Every that? every half hour. What is that? No, yeah. So what is that? No, so what is that every? Well, I, I didn't mean every hour, like on the hour. I'm just saying like right. every. No, I got gotcha. you. The hours in between those games, we have to figure out how to how to stagger the start. Probably time. one game every half hour or so. Right. And yeah. you could still do it with yeah. like, hey, the last game of the night is still going to start at 1030 at night Eastern time, which is not out of the ordinary for whatever West Coast team you want no, to pick. No, no. I, what I th- where one thing one area where I think they missed the mark on this was, if you wanted to have a game that started that late, I don't have any problem with it. Why did it have to be Vegas Flyers? Or and, and I'm not specifically making it to the Flyer standpoint. It's why did it have to be Vegas? It could, like it, it could have been Vegas, New Jersey, it could have so, been Vegas, Boston, it could have been Vegas, New York. I don't care. Why was it in so to do it when an East Coast team was in a West Coast market and bump it to the 11 p.m. Eastern time? Because I don't disagree with that, but I will say that I think if you are going to start something at nine o'clock local time, right? Vegas is just about the only city you can do that and get away with it reasonable and with reasonable expectations. I, I just, I just well, I'm talking about the live gate. I know you're talking yeah. about kind of the TV audience, but right, well, no, and, and well, because I'm trying to maximize it for everybody, They're right? Not, you want to start a game that late in Vegas? I'm full. Uh, like I'm on board with that. Hey, do it when they're playing the Canucks. Right. right. Why wasn't it a game where it's right in the time, like in the same time zone as somebody else, or even Western time? Yeah, that would be ideal. No, right. I know. That's all I'm saying. It's that that That's was the only issue. So when that game was winding down, 
and they lose it with 30 seconds left. <laughs> Painful. To avoid, no, yeah. To avoid overtime, I was thanking Ed everything. <laughs> See, because I didn't know because I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to go through the possibility of another five minutes to potentially shoot out. I, and, we're and we're really wrapping at 2 a.m. I totally get that, but at the same time, <sighs> at least overtime's fun and you get a point out of it. Um, I was looking at it like, man, I really just watched this whole game just for them to come out of it. Just nothing, huh? Just, well, ugh. Yes, I, I hear ugh. you. I hear you. And, and, and I look, once you get to that stage of the game too, yes, you would like to come away with something. for. What and I'm just doing. tired and want to go to bed. Like you, you took Vegas 59 minutes. Like you led Vegas for almost 59 and a half. Well, you know what I mean? You were, you were, you were in ahead of that game until the very, very, very end against. Right. Like you said, a team that made it to the Stanley Cup final last yeah, year, the team that Cup. won the Stanley Cup. Like yeah. they're they're the team, man. Like you don't need to beat them. And I know it was Scott Wedgwood. I or, or uh, it was their backup, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It wasn't yeah, Aiden it was Hill, Lo was it? Logan Thompson. Was it was Logan Thompson. Oh, they're splitting. It's fine. Um, <laughs> they're both the starter. It's fine. <laughs> um, you, like you, you, you stretched them to the limit. You took them to the end. And coming out of that with nothing is a little disappointing. Yeah, I and I totally get that part of it. I just was not disappointed that the game was ending maybe 10 minutes earlier. Fair enough. So I could finish the story out and just be done with this thing. Because, it look, from my standpoint, too, you know how weird it is to publish a story at 2 a.m.? Fair. For, for a live sporting event? Like, it's weird. You know, especially when, like, you're considering at that point that, like, you know, I don't even know how many people knew the game was on. That's how like little people cared. Well, well, because you were also already you were on the same day as a game seven in the baseball playoffs, it, right? Like, and when that was over, how many people just were like, "I'm turning the TV off. I'm done for." The I'm night. going to bed. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, because, because because that game ended right as puck drop happened, practically. Yeah, it, it timed out nicely. So um, like, that's all I'm saying. It's like at that point in time, who wanted to watch that anyway? So it was like, I mean. Th th that game's kind of twofold for me then, because on one hand I'm sitting here going, it's it doesn't get any coverage at all in terms of like oh no like anticipation for a game that starts at eleven. But at the same time, the story might be one of the most read game recaps I do because nobody watched. <laughs> Fair you enough. Know, like, somebody's got to find out the next day what I guess what happened or hey the story's there this happened. Okay. All right. So after right, you could also look and say oh well they lost that's it. <laughs> After well, and I think for a lot of people that is where they're at on the Flyers, and you know what, fair enough. But after a quick little swing uh, to the through the West, uh, Dallas Vegas, the Philadelphia Flyers returned home. Yep, and I will say, Nick Delorier welcomed them back with a bang. Two seconds into the game, Flyers Minnesota Wild, Patrick Maroon and Nick Delorier, good old fashioned. There's no predetermined fights in the NHL. Um, they dropped the gloves right away and just a nice little scrap. We, we love a good opening, opening face-off scrap against two big, ugly mugs. And well, and here's the thing I believe, yeah, I guess it was, I believe it was last season. These, these two teams had four fights in a period, right? Yeah. So like Deloria was part There's of a little bit of heat there. Yeah. Well, and I think the interesting part more than that was that it didn't carry over in anything further as the game went on. That was right. the only fight. So. I, I think that was them going, all right, we had some beef. And, and, well, this is us settling the beef, and we're just going to play a normal game here. If well, if things get fired up, then they'll get real fired up, but there's no reason to elevate things for no reason. 
there really shouldn't have been much beef though either because Maroon wasn't on the team last year. Yeah, but they lost Maroon? Reeves, and he kind of gets no, a point. He gets oh, tapped. He gets tapped as the guy, right? Like, oh, I know, but, and obviously this is like, forget it being hell. Forget it being premeditated at the face-off or whatever, it's probably something that you, you skate by the guy in warm-ups and go, hey, by the way, buddy, you want to go? You might have texted him last last night. The night before. Hey, bud, eat a, eat a big lunch. We're going first thing tomorrow. Tell your yeah, coach maybe. to start you. Like, <laughs> Mar- Maroon strikes me as the I'm going to send a text type. Like, hey, my co- or after morning skate, he texts him, eat a big lunch. I'm starting. See you there. <laughs> I don't want I guess like, I'm not saying it happened, but tell me you'd be surprised. You I mean, can't. I you can't. <laughs> well, anyway, by the way, this now this by the way was a very well mostly fun game. Had a. I was about to say of- what happened after was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, mostly fun. A little stretch of time where you thought, "Uh oh, here comes here comes they're going to find a way to blow this game," and, <laughs> then, and then they put the foot back on the gas and finished it off. Some really almost nice, immediately, some, yeah. Some really nice goals. I thought obviously the first one by Travis Konechny, who. Pretty. Since then, has two more, but this was his sixth of the season. The, just, just a snipe job from the top of the circle. Just, I mean, there. I, I don't feel bad saying this before October's even over. There's your all star. There's your all star. And I mean, unless, unless yeah. what you were talking about earlier. I mean, it probably doesn't happen until after the all star game. But I, unless he's your trade bait, right? I mean, I don't think they're interested though. Like. Again, the problem with Konechny is the problem with Konechny is, is that you, like, well, you're right because look, you can look to sell high, but the problem with Konechny right now, or the problem with the idea of trading him even within this season, unless it's directly at the deadline, is he's still got another full year left on the contract, and you have to find a way to make the money work. They can't just retain salary for the rest of the year, and then it, it, if they do it at the deadline, it's pretty easy to eat salary for a year and fifteen games. I don't know though. Okay, let's say he stays relatively hot and has 30 goals by mid-February, the, the trade deadline, end of February. Let's say he's at 30 and he's looking like he's going to score 40, maybe 45. And I know he started hot, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Well, he's on pace for something good right now. Obviously. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I'm not throwing crazy, crazy numbers out there. I don't no, think I, here. I, I think he, like the way he's off to right now, he's going to top the 31 that he put up last year. I think he might do it by the trade deadline. And if that's the case, man, you can get a ransom for him. I still think that he's going to be the type of guy that you go after the season and then talk to people about. And you say, look at the most recent whole thing and there's a lot of stuff to go to but he's a ufa when his deal's up right well yes he is maybe you let him go and trust that he loves you enough to come back i don't know about that and i and the only reason i say i don't know about that is because i think the players who are like him who are who could be as good as they are especially if you go on to go to another team, don't hit the market very often it's not even that they don't hit the market i i would wonder if he would could become complete like if he would just fall in love with the type of place he would go to where they're also winning like like fair like, enough like to me him having this kind of success when the team is not good is what you have to make the decision of whether you want to keep or whether or not this is the ticket to something bigger okay you know what i mean like like if you want to cash like this is you're either trying to sit on the lottery ticket and saying he's going to be part of the end solution of the process and we're keeping the lottery ticket no matter what right or i'm cashing in my lottery ticket because of the fact that he's 
going to that he's already on track to surpass his career high in goals from a year ago and obviously points would kind of come into play with that as well and like you you kind of as of right now you have to pencil him in as the other winger on Mitchkov's line right in three years or whatever sure tentatively and and like here's the thing beyond that what you know what happens if you continue to grow this thing out where he Maybe he's not even the best winger that you have, and he becomes a second line guy, and he scores like that. Like, but at that point, does it make more sense to trade him while he's a first line guy? Well, yes, that probably would. Right. So, like, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Travis Connecting. I love, no, I love Travis Connecting. It's the toughest. It's by far the toughest decision. Absolutely. Because, because I think absolutely in the, grand, in the grand scheme of things, you can look at every other player, Sean Couturier and Travis Sanheim included, mind you, and take guys like that and say, listen, why would you, you know, why would you not be, or why would you be comfortable? Let's just say it that way. Why would you be comfortable trading Couturier or Sanheim? Because it's the contract length. Because if someone was willing to take from the contract length standpoint, where, where you're kind of going off of uncertainty of how they're going to hold up, how they're going to, you know, be in seven years, right? You know, you're taking the uncertainty away of that. That's fair. You've got a guy right now, like in in Konechny, who's got one full season left on his contract after this, after the current season. Yeah. You have to make a decision on him. You don't get the you don't get the luxury of letting it play out and then. I agree. Him. Like that's the thing. If if yep. if Konechny was the guy who had six years left on his contract, you're currently riding it out because you're going to go. Hey, we we signed him for that length of time, and he can be on the other side of the rebuild. Because because here's the thing: if you have to make this decision now by this, and by now I mean by this trade deadline, because if he is on your team with intents on getting rid of him at next trade deadline. No, you're doing it wrong. The, the only because like, because all he's going to do in the meantime is score goals and help right. you win games. Well, sure. The only amendment I make to that, and I know that that's kind. This kind of goes a little against what you're saying because because mm-hmm. you're right. Like I get it. He's helping you win games, so you're right. There's it, it makes no sense to trade him at next year's trade deadline. No, it does not. To me, the, no. me the decision needs to be made by the off season. If he comes I, back for next season, that is fair. Then you haven't. Then you have your answer. Your intent on keeping him, but, right? It, it's, but, if you, but if you, if you're intent on trying to get the most out of what you have, and you think that you can maximize draft picks, maximize prospects, then I think you trade him in the offseason. If okay. Travis, if Travis Konechny is on your team at the end of the first round of the draft next year, he's probably he's probably you might as well sign him. Like he's a lifer, uh, which is fine. Which right. is fine. Yeah. Like Travis Konechny, I love Travis Konechny. I would be perfectly content, happy, thrilled right. to have Travis Konechny as a lifelong flyer at this point. Like I have seen enough grit, tenacity, skill, ferocity, whatever terminology you want to use in his game to know that he is a Philadelphia flyer. And if he is here for the rest of his career, I will be nothing less than thrilled. The production helps, obviously. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, because, well, I'm saying because if, if you were doing if you were a guy who plays like 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 I think people are kind of like like there's people who are looking at Scott Lawton's start to the year, let's just say, and going if if Danny Briere had what was said to be out there out there, then maybe you missed an opportunity. So I I will say the production is nice as far as Travis Konechny goes, but if there's ever a statue of him outside the Wells Fargo Center, it'll be him doing this. Yeah, that's true. 
the the teeth thing if you if you know what i'm talking about like because that's just his personality right like you don't i mean unless he scores a stanley cup winning goal knock on wood the statue is a personality moment for him you know what i mean like that's just the kind of player he is well so anyway so anyway beyond the yes knee goal let's go to the rest of this game it was a lot of fun because so- the second period, they scored two power play goals, which, by the way, to that point in the season, had been a foreign concept for this team. <laughs> really scoring on the power play. Moment. What a shocker. Um, Sean the, Couturier, fl- the Flyers and not scoring on the power play. Name a more iconic duo. So Sean Couturier first. And this was the goal that I was alluding to earlier, where this is a, this was a Sean Couturier goal. on In the crease, kind of you know had to win a little bit of a stick. Just get it battle, there. Gets it there. And then scores the goal like... You know, just it felt like a classic Couturier. Vintage Sean Couturier. Yeah. Yep. And then that... not, not too long after, we, we already brought him up, but Bobby Brink, the first one. And now, did, did he get lucky? You better believe he did because that puck Hell hit, yeah. hit an official skate and went right through him. <laughs> and he had a right from like right from the top of the slot and, and was looking and was looking at Philip Gustafson's five hole, not ready to, you know, be close it off, right. you know, before it was going to go through. And just snapped it home. And then after that, by the way, the three goals in the third period they scored. Once the game was back close, it was 3-2. Owen Tippett. The play really was Cam Atkinson, by the way, because he, yes. he creates a turnover, gets the puck ahead, and then Tippett on a break. pushes away. it to Tippett. Great, yep. great finish, by the way. Hope to see more of that soon because that's the only one he's got so far this year. You talked about Sean Couturier getting a nice clean breakaway as his first goal of the season. Yeah, Tippett got a little bit of that, too, and he didn't even have that 15 seconds to think about it. So he just instinct baby he gets in there he fires it uh far side i think and just pretty he put it yeah he put a glove side off the post and in yeah it was a good yeah, good shot and then then brink gets his second which by the way what a pass i know this joe farabee just absolutely rifles it and i know he's not involved on this particular play but this is what i was talking about with the noah cates joel farabee Bobby yes line that's been together for a little while See, that's a line that right now I'm not breaking up, and I don't care about the bad no. games against Anaheim and things like that. Like, I'm still not breaking up that line because they're generating. They're, they're they look like they have really good chemistry. And then, oh by the way, go to the next goal, the six-two goal, which another already, first goal of the season. And we've already talked about Travis Anaheim a lot already, and I don't, so I don't want to linger. That is the goal we mentioned earlier. Tyson Forster looked like he had his first goal of the season on that. Yep. Puck rolled on him at the last second. It's on edge. It goes wide. But he stays with it, gets the puck back, makes a nice Still gets the chance. pass right to the slot. And he, and Which, by the way, to the slot where Travis Sanheim is just cutting right on through. As he tends then, to do. And then just lets it go and scores a goal. So it was a really clean play. You, you can say goes, what you want. You, you can say what you want about Sanheim defensively, but when it comes to contributing offensively, he's really good. He's a talented he can, offensive defenseman. He yeah. Can be, and I hope that maybe the increased role is helping. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part. We're talking about Saturday's game against Anaheim. Like it's a completely bad game. It wasn't really a completely I mean, they scored a couple of goals later on that kind of helped turn that score around. So yes, a little bit it was a kind of awful game. It was an ugly one. Yeah. They well here's hold on a minute here. Because they got off to a pretty what felt like a pretty decent start and they made two mistakes. The first was there was a turnover through the neutral zone that led to the rush the other way, and that's where Ryan Strom scored the first goal. Less than a minute in. Less than a minute in. Yeah. And then you had a power play where you're trying to kill it off, and again, you're like 
just one of these things. It was a bad, you know, just kind of bad timing. You left a guy with time and space. It was on another kind of transitional entry, and Vitr- and Frank Vitrano scores. Right? Yeah, you know, it's it's the NHL. It's full of super talented players all over every roster, and sometimes Frank Vitrano beats you. Yeah. Now I have a complaint about this game <laughs> that is a complete coaching decision, and I would have done something totally differently than what John Tortorella did. Okay. Sam Harrison started this game. That is not the mistake, by the way. Okay. I, I agree with the start there because, A, you have to find time to get Harrison in if you're going to have him be the backup. And, B, Harrison played the Ducks twice last year and won both games and looked good doing it both times. So just for the history angle of it, too, this was not a bad game coming, right. off, of, coming off of Carter Hart beating Minnesota and Carter Hart pretty much assuming we, we can pretty much definitely say at this point getting the start against Carolina on Monday. I certainly hope so. Then you're no, if you're looking for a, like a kind of a pocket to slide Sam Harrison into for a game, that might be it. You know, hey, yeah. it's Anaheim, the Pacific. We we kind of alluded to it. The Pacific has been pretty terrible. Uh, Would you say 28, 30, 31, 32, something like that in the league? Yeah, some. Well, that, that was going into that day. I'm sure that right. Anaheim's not necessarily right there. Like, give Anaheim. They just got two big points. That, that well, does a lot no, down there. No, no, they just got four big points because give Anaheim some credit. They oh, were they down three to one against Boston two nights. Oh yeah, back win. So that that mattered, and then. Same thing. You had that happen, and then you had the, the then they beat the Flyers. So, and the Flyers were not like coming in, like they were coming in obviously off of a good win themselves. So, certainly nothing to like, you know. It's that's that's no slouch of a win either. Absolutely. But, but either way, so this was a good pocket for Arison to get a start. So I'm not worried about that. Here is what I do have a problem with, though. Carter Hart was the backup on Saturday. After the first start that Arison made, Felix Sandstrom was the backup. And they just gave Carter Hart the straight up day off. Right. Why didn't they do that again? Maybe there's no, there's no good reason like to answer it that way. Like 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 you could have just sat there and said because Hart was gonna be the guy who sat on the bench. Like to me, if Hart's sitting on the bench, he's in a position to be able to play in the game. So maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Maybe this is part of the goalies are weird thing. Maybe there's something about the game day routine between the starter and the backup. And you want Carter and Sam Sam Harrison to develop a little bit of that, you know, camaraderie, bond, whatever you want to call it. Maybe. I don't know. Goalies are weird. The only reason, yeah, I hear you. The only reason I don't understand is because you're carrying three goalies still. We're through the first month of the season. You're carrying three goalies still. Right. Clearly, that's just what you've decided to do for now. <laughs> well, you decided to do it for now because you don't want to put, again, you don't want to put Sandstrom on waivers, which, you know, and I, this is why I made the comment I did about what Tortorella said about Zamul. It's like, you do realize that because that's the whole reason you keep talking like that. You haven't really had to talk about the goalies, like, because you should have to face a decision for this. You should have to make a decision. Sure. You ha- and you haven't had to yet because a handful of injuries has, have helped and you know, whatever, but either way. So if you're carrying three goalies, you may as well use them and just give Carter Hart days off. So that you have the ability to, when this game goes to four to nothing, after a goal that you can make the never, switch. Well, a the goal the goal should never be allowed. The first one, fair to three nothing because it nobody even sees it go in. Apparently, the only person who saw it go in was the guy on the ice. Was Frank Vitrano. Right. That's it. Everybody else didn't see it. And then, not long after, Adam and Reek scores two. And. I just thought that that was the moment that you pull him. 
Fair clearly enough. He just, clearly, he doesn't have it today. The team and, doesn't seem to have it. And then, oh, by the way, right after that, they scored two goals really quickly. And and by the way, guess who? Cam Atkinson, Travis Connecty. Right. The thing of theme here. Um, sure, but if you pull your goalie, maybe that the momentum change, you know, completes, and they actually do come back. Come back. You well, never know. But you don't. That, they did. They do or do not. They you know they still got those right. goals in that spot. It's just what I don't like is when the third period rolled around. Like, 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 like this is, and it's where I disagree. Like, I like I agree with Tortorella because Tortorella talked about like the third period after after their game was kind of really out of out of reach. They kind of they. The fans who were there were given Sam Harrison Bronx cheers. Yeah, yeah. On anything that was mildly a save, right. you know, and 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 there was a lot of grumbling about that in terms of that's ridiculous, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Tortorella obviously addressed it afterwards too. Of in, course, in, in, in only the way that John Tortorella can. That's how I'll say that. Yes. Um, but I kind of have to criticize Tortorella for not for saying that it's ridiculous, but. For not having kind of a prevention mechanism on the bench is what I'm saying. If you if it's in your head that no matter what, Carter Hart's not playing today. Right. Then, then, we'll, then put right. Sandstrom out there. And at least if when if if when the game gets out of hand, if something happens, then Sandstrom gets a chance to play. Right. Well, and and a lot of rosters don't have that luxury, but you do. So use right. it. Like especially. Well, and what value are you? Ha- what value does Sandstrom bring if he's not doing anything? He literally right. watched every single game except for the one that he got to take warm ups in. Right. And like, yeah. And at a certain point, make a decision with him. Like, either play him, trade him, or, him. or try to trade him if you can. Like, I, they you're like, probably are. I wouldn't be shocked if they are. Like, but, but I bet you there's nobody biting on that one, and then they don't want to lose him for and they're not And they're not playing him. And like, maybe you're not playing him because you don't want him to get hurt, but like, you're not it's, showing it's, other teams what he can do. Like, well, it doesn't make any sense to me, but either way. It's beside the point at this point. It's just that was my problem with it. And then, and then as the game got more and more out of hand, which by the way, Trevor, no, Trevor Zeger scores in a power play. It was directly off of a turnover. They were trying to get out of the zone too quickly to get a shorthanded rush. Turnover happens. Now it's a four on two the other way. Of course, you give a guy like that time and space, he'll score. They came right. The fly, by the way, they called the timeout after that. Not immediately after the timeout, they came down and scored again. So it was six two. Konechny scored again on a power play to make it to make it six three. They got a power play right after that was kind of like interestingly enough that was like, hey, maybe they'll get another one to come back or whatever. And instead, they gave up a shorthanded goal to Vetrano, hat trick complete. Yeah, and then Parabi scored with three minutes even left to finish it off to make and, it look better, I guess. <laughs> and, and, well, and here's the thing: I don't mind the part where Joel Parabi gets a, gets his fourth goal of the year. Konechny continues to score goals like. They can Those be, are good things. They right. can be good things. What I disagree with is that as the game got out of hand, there's no reason why Arison has to wear that whole game. Because if you go look, like, go just out of curiosity, like, and I'll pull it up. I'll be, I'll pull it up. But go out of curiosity and just see what Sam Arison's numbers are this year. Oh, I can't imagine they're very good. Because uh, let's put it this way: the goals against I'll give you because. You could probably deduct it pretty quickly anyway. He gave up five against Dallas and then seven against Anaheim. Fair enough. And the only but, thing that's the only thing that is saving him from what the average of those two numbers is is the fact that the Dallas game went overtime, so the time on ice increases and brings it down just a hair to, to five point nine one instead of six. Yeah, and then, but the save percentage at yeah, so seven sixty. 
is just unacceptably bad. Right. And I'm not I'm not <sighs> like believe it or not, at some point in time you actually kinda look smart for keeping Sandstrom a little bit because Because now you get to send Airstrom down and let him go play. They're in. not going to. And then, <sighs> but again They probably should. Why, but there's another argument for Tor- against Tortorella, isn't there? Fair. Why is that not on a level playing field? You seem to have no problem talking about sending defensemen up and down like yo-yos. You know, you don't seem to have any problem worrying. You know, with the but way you said this guy stuck, and now you're stuck with him. Like, what? Change your mind, I mean, John. You're stuck with him. You've got another guy who's sitting here who right. playing who you can't move, and then you've got a guy who you've tried to use twice, and he's at a 5.91 goals against and a 760 save percentage. And Maybe then mean go down. And then in the meantime, you have a guy who uh, Carter Hart is playing very well this year. You know, he's looking like essentially what we expect Carter Hart to look like at this point, which is, I don't know if I'm overstepping here, but roughly speaking, a top 10-ish goalie in the world. Maybe a little bit outside that, but somewhere in that range. He is very, very good. I'll say that. Okay, well, here's, here's a fair way to do it. Where do you think Carter Hart ranks in goals against averages here? He's got, he's got a 2.18. Where do you think that ranks? That's early in the year, so some of these numbers are really... Seventh. Scary. It's not... He's lower than seventh. Okay. But, but, but seventh place is kind of ridiculous, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But, okay. No, but tenth. Okay. Fair but enough. Tenth is solid. And, sure. and, 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 and in fairness... Top ten-ish. Okay, but here's, an, and here's another reason why it's fair. Carter Hart has played out of the eight games, six of them, right? The two goalies that are above and below him, ninth and 11th, are both of Vegas's goalies, who we know are in time. Right. On, and, by the way, uh, the Stanley Cup winner. Well, right. No, second and seventh place in the league in goals against average are both Boston goalies. Okay. Um, Teams that were, until very recently, undefeated. Right. Um even even in this case, Joseph Wall has a 1.33 for Toronto. He's third in the league. He didn't start the year as the starter per se. No, kind of now like right now it's kind of a back and forth hybrid. And role. he's still not like officially their starter. Like how about this? How about this one? Semyon Varlamov's at 1.51. Isn't Sorokin the starter though? Yep. So allegedly, not... you would think. <laughs> but the. These are always a bad look in the beginning of the year because of the fact that it's hard to determine what they're qualifying. Like everybody's got kind of the same amount of playing time, so everybody qualifies for what the league leaders list would look like until you get into the part where somebody's finally played like fifteen, twenty. Right. We are still a little early and like five. Yeah, we are still a little light on the sampling sizes at this point. Sure. Like in the same sense, Carter Hart's save percentage is thirteenth in the league, but you're also behind, you know. You're behind again. Both Vegas guys are, I think. No, just one is actually. I'm sorry. So just one. Both Pro- Boston guys. Probably both Boston there. guys. Yep. Um, but you know, oh, well, and here's another thing though too to consider. Carter Hart might be 13th, but you're also behind. You know, you're behind Vimelka for Arizona, who probably sees a shot volume that's out of this world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or Jake Allen in Montreal, who also is probably seeing a lot of shots. You know. How about, you know, how about, again, here's a good one. How about Thatcher Demko, who only allowed two goals on 42 shots when you played him and has a 936 save percentage? I wonder why, because if they give up a lot of shots and he makes a lot of saves. Yeah, they do. You're, then you're going to be there. It's not like you're talking about a guy who may not see as many shots and just keeps having really good, right. you know, moments or whatever. So it'll even out, but he's, you can look at the numbers and say, listen, if that's around what he averages, a little more than two in goals against. 
No problem. 924 save percentage. If, even if it's 920, 919, 917, you're in good shape. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. That's, really I, good. That's something to build around. Now, granted, you know, I I, I, th- I don't know if people are – I feel like people are watching him a little differently this year, to be honest. Of course. Like uh, the There's obvious, a cloud. Well, the obvious elephant in the room as yep. a part of it, but also just in general because I think people are also watching him a little differently because – The contract comes, situation? Well, because of the conversation we've already had involving Travis Konechny or involving yep. it, some of these other guys. Like, well, and I've been saying it on the – I've been saying it on this show for 18 months. He's too good. He's winning you too many games. And it's – the problem is, is that they, they. I don't think that when it comes down to it, they, they can look past the fact that he's, his, that he's his age. I know? agree, and and I, I am starting to come around on that. So when we talked about this, kind of last summer in the abstract, not this past summer, but last summer in the abstract when the team was just kind of terrible, um, it was a lot of. Okay, but who's going to be here in five years when we rebuild? Who's going to be here in eight years when we rebuild? Who's going to be here like way down the line? Fast forward a year, Matt Vay-Mitchkov changes things. Sure it does. Three years. Yeah, well, there's another – and there's another angle to it as well because, yes, Mitchkov changes things because of the potential, because of everything that you're seeing so far, and because of of the, the fact that like you just brought up, there's a little bit of a set timeline with him. Because it's not the same. It's not the same unpredictable nature as some of these other. As problems. most rebuilds. But yes. but think about something else and for, ignore Mishkov for one second. See what Cutter Gauthier is doing in college right now. Yep. That's even shorter term. Oh sure, that, sure. That's end of the year material. At this point, Cutter Gauthier is on track. By the way, and I wouldn't be shocked at this at all. But the way that he's playing at the pace that he's playing currently. Is he winning the Hobie Baker? That feels like a – well, I was going to say at least that feels like a Hobie Baker nomination. Fair enough. Because he's playing that well. Um, That's number one. Um, Have you happened to check out some of the stuff going on in the OHL? I've seen a little bit. Have you seen how the the London Knights look? (laughs) Turns out the London Knights are good. Um, Yeah, but do you know who some of their best players are? I think I have some ideas. Yeah. Does does one of their names rhyme with Kronk? Your life rhyme with Kronk. Yes, one of them does rhyme with Kronk. And the other rhymes with Larky. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, so I'll pull up Oliver Bonk's numbers first, really. Quick. Okay, okay. Because Bonk's at a position that's kind of like yeah. going to be the most under the microscope. Cause I really I'll, I'll, I'll pull up Barky then. Uh, Barky's, I can't wait for it. I'll, I'll pull yeah. him up anyway for myself. I was just starting. So Oliver Bonk does not have a goal yet this season in the OHL. Okay. But he's got 10 assists in 12 games. Pretty good. Which is pretty solid stuff. He is also, I'm trying to get this on, because I'm doing this one on my phone. He's a plus three, four penalty minutes so far. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Denver Barkey. Denver Barkey, go ahead. Let me Denver, Denver Barkey also has four penalty minutes. Okay, that's, yeah, but that's not what I'm worried um, about. Oh, I know. He is uh, a plus eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Yeah, I he, know he is. He's played 12 games. Seven goals, 16 points. Now, we've talked about this a lot in the past, and this is what you expect from high draft talent in their draft plus one season. This is what you expect, right? You're playing against 15 and 16-year-olds. Like, you should dominate, especially on a wagon like London. But it's still nice to see. It's still nice to see him contributing to a team that is very likely looking to make a run at the Memorial Cup. 
it's nice to see. Sure, it's nice to see. So Denver Barky, by the way, now there's a lot of guys who have played a handful, like a couple more games than he Sure. Done. Not many, but six. the league leader in points, and by the way, this is it's pretty obvious based on the fact that they have the top four point guys in the OHL right now. Kitchener's pretty damn good also. Okay. The Kitchener Rangers are pretty damn good. Um, but the league leader in points right now has 25, of which 20 of them are assists, by the way. But, Stupid. But Barky's at 16, and at least, you know, not terribly like not terribly low on the list. Let's actually let's put it this way. Technically it ranks him at 15th, but two guys in front of him are tied. So he's in a tie for 13th. Okay. Not horrific at all, obviously. Not at all. That's pretty, that's pretty good stuff. Um goal-wise, for a guy who's not even getting top line minutes, right? Isn't he on their second line? Uh he might be. I don't know. I haven't paid like super close attention. But I, th- I think he's playing on their second line. So that's that's some pretty good production right there. I do also want to add by the way, cuz seven goals by the way, that's not even he's not even leading his own team in goals. Right. So there's somebody else who's in front of him, but that's but again, for also for a guy who was third round pick, is very undersized, looks like he's twelve years old. <laughs> um, you know, all that type of stuff. But you're starting to see why he got a preseason game. Why yes. he got an extended look and you know, throughout camp and things like that. Like because- he's probably gonna go to the AHL for a year, I would imagine, probably next year. But you never know. Um, could be, you know, it depends on where the team's at. It depends got, on where the, he's got two years of eligibility left. In oh, he does. He can go yeah. back to juniors back again next year. Just, okay. Yeah, so he might go back to juniors even again and try to and then him. come straight back up. Yeah, that's fair. Well, see, that's okay, and that, that's a fair thing to also look at too in terms of another factor with this is that some of these guys who put up twenty some odd points in that shorter period of time are be, twenty years old or twenty one. Right. It could be well twenty probably, and they could 20. be plus two is what we're that's, yeah be draft plus two guys. And you're just beating up on freshmen in high school at that point. It's like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so last couple of things, I guess, before we get ready to get out of here soon. Yeah. First of all, we didn't really talk about this yet, so we should, because Rasmus Ristolainen has yet to play a game this season. Right. We did talk briefly about the, the lack of defensemen, and this is a big part of that. So what's going on here? Like I, the, the headline is what's going on with Rasmus Ristolainen, and what is? Because nobody seems to know the answer. What is going on is he hasn't played a game yet. What is going on is that he is still on IR. What is, what is also going on is that this is following a timeline that people are very familiar with when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers. Which Sounds is, a little Ryan Ellisy. A uh, little bit more Cam Atkinson last year kind of thing because of the fact that like it was – yeah, he should. He might even play in the first game of the year. Oh, okay, he's not going to play in the first game of the year, first couple, but that's okay. Like, he'll be ready. Like, home opener's probably on the table. So, so I do just want to remind you that Cam then, Atkinson ended up not playing last season. I know. So just hold okay. on. Then, <laughs> then it turned into there was a lot of belief that we actually said it on the we actually said it on the show because I, I said Anthony Sanfilippo had something on it that Andre was going down, right, and Ristolainen was going to be the next guy yeah. up, right. You know, he was going to come off of IR and he was going to play probably. Eventually, it turned into he was going to play Saturday against Dallas, the Saturday against Dallas, I should say. Um, so that was a week ago. Then right. earlier this week, it was, oh, no, he actually, you know, he had a setback. So now we have no timetable. So isn't that how it typically goes that he was, oh, he'll play the first game of the season possibly. No, maybe not that one. Maybe the next one. No, wait. He's, you know, oh, he's coming back on the, the fifth for the fifth one. Nope. Now he's. You know, yep. I fool me once, shame on you. 
fool me twice won't get fooled again by um the way, by the way once it got i'll believe point, it when i say it yeah, by the way once they got to a point where andre wasn't going to play at the nhl level anymore the call-ups were interesting because now i don't want to look torts can't be blamed for this completely because like as much as the Again, as much as we've been saying the stuff about play the kids, land of opportunity, all that kind of stuff that kept being said and things like that. When they call somebody up from the minors, Tortorella consults where, well, sort of, actually, really, it's Danny Briere who consults with Ian LaPerriere and the staff down there with the Phantoms and kind of gets a feel for who's good to call up. We really want to do this, you know, or we. Right. We, Here's what we need, who you got. Right. Right. So what they came back with was they called up Victor Mete. And Louis Belpedio, your favorite. Good old Louis. Good old Louis. Who played the first two games, by the way. Belpedio yep. got, got the go over Mete. Yes. Um, and there was a big kind of thing about why not Addard? Why not Ginning? What may, may, maybe, answer, maybe Louis Belpedio is my next jersey. <laughs> got to, you know, listen, it's not necessarily a weird thing in preseason, I guess, because everybody's kind of floating around and there's numbers all over the place and things like that. But legit game where there's six guys out there and they're actually on the roster, like with consistency. You don't see many guys running around with 37, especially on the blue line anymore, do you? No, no, that's fair. You know, uh, 37 on the blue line was interesting. But, but trivia, trivia question. When was Louis Belpedio drafted? Uh, they actually said this the other day because he was drafted by Minnesota. Okay. I believe they said he was a third-round pick. Okay. In what year? Oh, in what year? Um, was he in the 15? 14. Okay. It was around that time. Yeah, but he's 27 years old. We love we love seeing a good little, you know, good little underdog story. I mean, yes. Look, yes and no because, again, there's a lot of people that are going to sit there and say what happened to the other, again, the kids. But – but I Bef- do think look, before he got to Philadelphia, he had four NHL games. True. Come on. I hear you. Come on. Yeah, but again, you're you, think about it. I know. It's because it's a big picture approach. It's you know, I don't know what that's solving or anything like that. So it's a little you know. I know, but if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know I love my fringe lineup guys. Shout out Hayden Hodgson. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Either way, you get the point, and, you know, so we'll see how long that lasts, too. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it just is what it is, you know. It's fair. I'm not going to be – like, I don't know how many weeks of this season I'll be able to do this. Right. right well, and – Where we're just pounding about the lineups all the time or whatever. Of course. And as far as wrist aligning goes, like, we don't really know anything. And at this point, until we know something – I'll believe it when I say him. Like, oh, yeah. I don't no, there's say, no reason, say yeah. yeah. There is what it is. Um, all right. He's Ryan Ellis. <laughs> off, to, off to the schedule for the week, by the way. We already hinted to the fact that they play Carolina on Monday. Carolina, yep. by the way, has been a really interesting team. Because they've been pretty bad. Well, they've been banged up a little bit. Like, they just got yes. back. They just, you know, they've had a couple other guys who've kind of been in and out a little bit. You know, things like that. They are, I mean... They've kind of gotten it back in the right direction because I think at one point like they've won their last two games. They, that brings them to five and four. They're in third place in the division. Nobody's running away with the Metro right now. That kind of helps too. Right. Uh, so an inter- they're an interesting team. Uh, we got the home and home with Buffalo on here as well. Buffalo, also an interesting team. Buffalo has been good. 
good and bad at the same time, though. Like the, the record has been bad. The res- like lately, the results have gotten a little better. They're kind of coming back around on it. They speaking to Sunday specifically, by the way, they've handily beat. They handily beat Colorado. Yeah, they is, did. Which is a pretty big deal. They've look. They've kind of had some things not go their way either. You know, Devin Levi's been out with an injury. Yeah, that's unfortunate for them. You know, so that like that's kind of the guy that you think is going to be the goalie of the future for yeah, them. Yeah, but at the same time, don't put all your hopes on a twenty-one. You know, however old he is, twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old kid who I hear you is hurt, right? And like I know Ugo Pekalukanen's there. He shut out the Avalanche on Sunday. Uh, he is a guy who they have looked at as their goalie of the future in the past. So right. if he shows up and plays well, I don't think they're going to be upset about it. Um, but yeah, they were leaning on Levi and having him, you know, right. be out of the lineup is going to be a problem. And then, oh, sure. by the way, you close out the week against one of those good Pacific Division teams, the LA Kings. Who are just, they're looking like they're ready to go. They're looking like they're ready to hit the ground running. Right. And there, I, a couple teams are going to chew up the Pacific. And I know we've talked about the Pacific being a division of haves and have-nots. And you have Vegas, Ed, well, Vegas, LA, dot, 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 Edmonton, and then everyone else. Um, but those teams at the bottom really are pretty terrible. Right. Ed, now, Edmonton, by the way, we can actually, I can say it with certainty, they're about to win the Heritage Classic. So, okay. Um, That'll move them up a little bit. They'll actually be on the verge of passing Calgary in the standings. Actually, I think they might with that one. Well, and Connor McDavid returned tonight, so yes, that obviously uh, bolsters your chances. Sure, it does. Um, I I will though. I will wonder now if he was rushed back for the Heritage Classic. Probably a little bit. I don't feel like I saw him as much as they I could have, just because it was. You know, an easing back in. They just, I think they wanted him there more just for the presence of it. And that oh, way. but either way. And you certainly um, understand that. But this is a good, this is a good week to see kind of again what kind of team this is because Carolina's tough. Buffalo can play the Flyers tough despite being behind them in the standings right now and kind of on the upswing. And by then, the, by the way, McDavid played 23 minutes, mo- second most out of forwards. So yeah, he was I, out there. Yep. Drysdale played 25 and a half, but other than that, it was McDavid. Well, I did so. see a lot of power play time for what it's worth. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's an easy way to ease him back in. Cause he's not trying to speed through the neutral zone. You just stand there and be skilled. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, Calgary's friggin' terrible too. So yeah, they are. Uh, either way. So we'll see. This could be a good, good, good week to see kind of how this goes. Hopefully another good week of, developmental type numbers from certain guys and we'll see how it goes but certainly a step not i'm gonna say step in the right direction but kind of a good way to start this thing off so yeah it'll be a fun week and you know we'll be back next week to talk about more weeks oh i'm sorry i'm sorry you're right two weeks we will be off next week i am coming uh back to the area for a friend's wedding but i am doing it so quickly that we will not have time to throw a show together uh so we will be back in two weeks that will be what November 12th. Yes. Uh, we will be back November 12th with a new episode. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, if you hit the notification button, it'll send you a note. Uh, if you hit the bell, it'll send you a notification when the episode goes live. So you can check it out right away. Um, subscribe to us there. Uh, hit the like button. Hit us on all our social medias. We're at YWT podcast everywhere. Uh, we are also on sportstalkphilly.com. Uh, follow Kevin on all the socials at Kevin underscore Durso. Follow sportstalkphilly at sportstalkphl. There you go. And, uh, 
uh, the the ticker at the bottom of the screen there reminded me. So uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we will be back, like I said, in two more weeks. And uh, until then, we'll see you.